That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Edit audio. Hello and welcome to Confessions, a podcast by Cosmo where your secrets are safe with us. My name is Mia Lardier, and today I am joined by my guest co-host, Cosmo's deputy editor, Madeline Frank-Reeves. Hello. I'm so Hi. excited to be here. Thank you for being here. So here on Confessions, we listen to readers and listeners' confessions, and we try to respond along with a guest expert and give advice to our confessor. So do you have something that you would like to confess today? I do. I will. Um, I'll confess that I'm like a little bit bummed out today. Oh. I'm, a, I'm kind of a, a happy gal um, yeah. most of the time. But for anybody, this may be like very specific uh-huh. to New York City real estate things. But I've been in the same apartment, my husband and I, for five years. And below us is like my dream apartment because Mm. it's basically our apartment, but with a 200 square foot terrace. Oh, the dream. Um, And on Friday, we saw that our neighbor downstairs, who's been there for decades, literally, because you get a place like that, you stay stay. there. Yeah. Yeah. That he had moved all of his stuff off the terrace. So we did some digging, asked the building staff. Turned out he's moving out. So we start conspiring. Like, nobody else knows this yet. We're calling the leasing office and we're like, picking out outdoor furniture because we're so convinced it's ours. And then my husband calls this morning and apparently the leasing company has promised it to a family friend, which I think is deeply unfair. Um, So rude. So rude. So rude of them not to think of us. Uh, So I'm like channeling all of my inner manifesting good juju, if everybody could help me there, to to think of the phrase like this or something better. So like if it's not this, then like I just assume that something else is going to fall into my lap. Um, But yeah, that's where I'm at today. I'm just like, oh shoot, yeah. I was planning all, all the happy hours. I didn't invite you over for drinks. Like, you know, you just start dreaming really big. Yeah. Well, everybody light a candle for Madeline. Yes, and please. Keep me in your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so getting into today's confession, here's a word that might send a shiver up your spine depending on your luck in this lifetime. In-laws. Yeah, I'm going to give you a minute to unclench. While your in-laws might make Thanksgiving a royal headache or send you unsolicited articles about your parenting choices... They probably haven't launched a full-blown smear campaign against you, to your own husband. And if they have, well, you'll relate to this listener. Confessions Robot, let's hear what she has to say. My in-laws and I have never gotten along. For context, I've been with my husband for 13 years, seven of them married. My father-in-law literally sent a text rant to my husband about how I am worthless and not welcome in his home. My mother-in-law is somehow worse with her passive-aggressive or straight-up aggressive attitude. She literally told me, you stole my son. After therapy and lots of inner work, 
I'm at a place where I no longer need or seek their acceptance or love and distance myself from them. The challenge is my husband struggles with this as he hasn't given up on the dream that one day we'll all be best friends. This dynamic has hurt our relationship. Am I wrong for moving on and prioritizing my self-worth and sanity over reconciliation with my toxic in-laws? To help us respond to this confession and kind of give some insight and advice, we have a special guest expert today. We have Dr. Sasha Hamdani, who is a board-certified psychiatrist and ADHD clinical specialist. She has a robust social media following on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at the Psych Doctor MD, where she breaks down stigmas and provides accessible information about mental health. She is the author of Self-Care for People with ADHD and the CEO of Focus Genie, the company behind the mobile app for focus, productivity, and ADHD education. She has also continued to work closely with the White House and the Surgeon General's team to speak out about mental health awareness. Dr. Hamdani, welcome. Hi, girls. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. So you heard this confession. What are your thoughts off the bat? It's it's something that you hear of, unfortunately, kind of frequently. Yeah. But it doesn't make it any less distressing because I think that there are a lot of factors at play. And I think that the writer of this confession and the person experiencing that is actually cutting right to the heart of it, which is, am I wrong for prioritizing myself over the interactions within the family and the dynamics within the family. And I think that's what it all eventually boils down to. It's a hard decision to make for sure. Right, right. Because I think we hear a lot about toxic relationships within like relationships with a partner or a boyfriend, husband, whatever. People you get to choose maybe or choose more about, yeah, your right. interactions with them. <laughs> right. So you see this a lot. Is it? Do you see it more in in-laws or do you see it kind of with your with people's parents? It, it kind of depends. You can see it in both. I think what makes it especially tricky about the fact that it's in-laws is that it's not technically your parents, right? Your parents, you have that history. You have that connection with them. Theoretically, you've had that time where you've grown and developed and you understand their inner workings a little bit better. Again, theoretically. But the thing with in-laws is that you're kind of coming in to a situation where they already have preconceived notions of who you are and what you're supposed to be, and they haven't seen you grow and develop. Right. And so already you're kind of, you know, your communication might be a little bit limited because they don't have that history on you. So it can be a little bit tricky to navigate. It's interesting to hear, you know, that that this reader has been with their partner for 13 years. Yeah. That's a long time to kind of grow together. Yeah. And yeah, it, it makes you wonder about what it was like kind of when they first got together, right. how this developed over time. But that is, you know, you would hope that over 13 years of being in each other's lives, mm -hmm. the reader and and these parents, that they would have, you know, learned more about each other and, right. and found some common ground. My relationship, my husband and I have been together for 12 years, so almost yeah. exactly the same as this. And right. we'll celebrate our, our seventh anniversary, wedding anniversary this fall. Yeah. And it's been interesting as we've kind of merged our families. I feel like I think of my husband and myself as as a family, even though, you know, we don't have kids, we're, we're a family unit. And right. I also feel like my in-laws and relatives on his side are my family because, right. you know, we're planning to be married forever. And so right. those people will be in my life forever. And I, I, I can imagine that it really cuts like a knife when these people that you would hope could be family to you, and especially if you're thinking towards the future and, right. and what those relationships look like, it must be, yeah, incredibly difficult. Yeah. And I don't think you can wait for them to die because that's yeah, the right. only other option, right? <laughs> I think one of the most interesting things about this confession 
is that it sounds like she's really, really like looked at it from all angles. So she was talking about how she's gotten into it with therapy. She's done some inner healing work and and really, really tried to evaluate critically this situation from every side. I think, number one, that's a really important viewpoint. And I think that's really, I applaud her so tremendously yeah. for that. Because a lot of times when people are in these difficult situations, it it immediately becomes a fight and they don't want to look inwardly at all and be like, is there anything that I could be doing that could be contributing to some of this strife? But it sounds like, you know, as she's progressed and gone through this, it is truly just a, kind of like a toxic situation that that she can't resolve. You know, tangible tips of getting through that. I think it boils down to if the situation is not necessarily going to change, you know, because you, you can be responsible for yourself, but you can't be responsible for controlling someone else, right? right? You're never yeah. going to you're never going to gain mastery of that. But if you're looking at a situation where you're like, it's not the time thing, we've had 13 years to kind of deal with it. If this is a situation that's truly never going to change, then what are the variables that could change to make this more agreeable? And then it boils down to, okay, within this relationship, if my in-laws are never truly going to respect me within the context of this relationship or even outwardly, is this something where my husband has to kind of take a stand mm-hmm. and then figure out and reevaluate his relationship? Is this something where I need to kind of distance myself from this family unit and I can still have my family unit with my husband, but it's just never going to result? So I think it, I think it boils down to what are the variables that really can change? I think that, you know, Dr. Hamdani, we're kind of like we're talking about how this is toxic. Some of the things that they have said, like, I'm just going to repeat the words, you stole my son, calling this person worthless, telling them that they're not welcome in their home. Would you qualify this as verbal abuse or is it kind of just bullying? Where do we stand on what this kind of language looks like and what this relationship is? It's not good. <laughs> it's certainly not good. Not great. Yeah. It's not great. It's not where you want to be. The terminology in terms of like verbal abuse and bullying, I mean, I think those are, I mean, that's more colloquial terms, right? That's not like a clinical thing. You can't say it's exactly this amount of negativity would qualify as this. I don't really know what it is. What I can tell you is that if it's a pervasive pattern, if this is repeated, if it's consistent in nature, if the quality of the relationship is yeah. based on interactions like this, it is probably what I would technically classify that is as a toxic relationship. I yeah. mean, that that's not giving you any sort of positive value. And instead, what it's doing is it's causing you to question your own self-worth and where you fit into that fabric of the situation. And that, I to me... You know, when I'm dealing with patients that are going through similar situations, and keep in mind that as a psychiatrist, generally I'm dealing with like a medication perspective and not so much the um, psychological perspective, but there's so much of that intrinsically interwoven that when you're dealing with a patient that has these kind of situations that are trying to like wade through the waters, it's kind of hard to find your equilibrium in that. And it's, it's, you know... It's just, it's confusing and it's difficult. Yeah. And do you think that like over time, you know, it sounds like this dynamic has probably been going on for a while. If this reader has had time to do all of this self-work and and therapy, do you think that the the way that that can eat away at somebody's self-confidence or whatever it may be, do you think that snowballs over time even? 
I would say so. I mean, think about it in the context of your own life, right? And hopefully you guys haven't had to experience anything of this, you know, magnitude. But like if you've had someone or something in your life that's constantly kind of chipping away at like it's just making you feel bad about yourself. And sometimes I even feel this way about social media. Like I've been yeah. in situations where I'm scrolling and I've seen yeah. negative things and like I get horrible FOMO and I'm seeing all these filtered images and I'm like, oh, I feel like trash. And so like after a while, the only way to kind of improve my self-worth is to change your variables. And if that's taking a break from social media, okay, cool. Then you take a break from social Mm -hmm. media. If that's muting certain accounts that are bothering you, but like you have to kind of change your environment. Otherwise you'll start to question who you are. And that happens relatively quickly. I don't know if you've had that experience, but I feel like for me, it can happen over days. Yeah. And especially when it's, you know, your in-laws, even before you're married, these are people that you want to, you want them to love you. You know, they're such a big part of your partner's life. You want their approval. And so you probably come into this relationship seeking their approval. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like, yeah, to this reader's credit, she's done a ton of inner work to realize that it's okay for them to be wrong about her. You know, that she doesn't need what they think about her doesn't matter to her own self-worth, even when she's she's being told these terrible things. I mean, I think that going back to the email for the mother-in-law to message, you stole my son, right. is so wild to me because it's like, how do you not recognize that that's a self-perpetuating thing? Like, right. the more that you say, you stole my son, the more you're creating that divide right. and, and speaking it into reality. And also, what did you think was going to happen to right. your son? Did this mom want her son to like live in her basement for the rest of his life i have yes so many questions so many but but a lot of credit to this reader for um for kind of doing the work that she needs to do to get to a good place but obviously there's two people in this relationship there's four people in this dynamic so yeah it kind of gets gets more complicated yeah i mean a question to dr hamdani and then to you madeline i'm curious if you had to put yourself in the the shoes of the husband. Maybe Dr. Hamdani, from like any anecdotal experiences that you have or professional experience that you have, where do you think the husband's head at? And where do you what do you think he gets now out of this relationship with his parents? Let me preface this with like, I'm in a very weird anti-man phase in my life. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> we love to hear it. We've okay. Been through it. Yep. <laughs> not like, and it's not like I have, like, my husband is wonderful. I have a son. Like, it's not related to that. I think, I don't know, politics and world stuff got me very anti-man recently. It's bad out there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I'm trying to measure it with that. So my hot take is that I think this is truly, this falls on the shoulders of the husband. And I'm telling you this because... I think that the wife, the writer of this confession, has done a lot of work for herself. She's done the process. She's gone through this thing. She's given it time. She's worked on herself. She's probably grieved this relationship where it's like, I had this expectation and now it's something completely different. Now it is falling on, I think, the husband to figure out how to bridge these two worlds. And if the conclusion is these two worlds cannot be bridged, (laughs) it's about what can I do to make both of those parties comfortable with this and and to make myself comfortable with it? So instead of just fantasizing about a situation where this is all going to magically resolve, because, right, that just perpetuates a lot of shame and guilt uh, associated with it. Like I should be doing, and it's placing it elsewhere. I think what the husband should be doing is like, 
I need to prioritize what my wife is feeling, what my family is feeling, and find a way that if they cannot coexist, that we can do this respectfully. And I yeah. think that's what mm-hmm. it boils down to. And so I, again, <laughs> it's a man's fault. <laughs> that's his fault. That's yeah. Like. And that they need to kind of get on the same page. Yeah. Because yeah. it sounds like he's trying to have his cake and eat it too. Totally. I mean, yeah, I guess I can't presume to know what may be going through his head, what he may be thinking. But, you know, I think as any family member, especially your parents, there's probably a sense of devotion to them of, you know, maybe you feel like you owe them something. Maybe you feel like it would be a horrible thing to to cut them out of your lives. And I definitely understand that. I think in an ideal world where he may be coming from is – wanting his wife, who is his his life partner, who he's started this life with, has been having this life with, to feel in all situations respected, loved, right. cared for. And I think, you know, the onus is on him to make sure that she feels that way. Yeah. And I do wonder if this reader and her husband could reach some sort of common ground on, you know, if she's at a point where she doesn't feel like she needs their approval is she able to spend a couple hours a year with them in which, you know, there's kind of boundaries around it that she and her husband talk through? Basically, are they able to, yeah, come to kind of an agreement that they both feel good about yeah. um, and that they both feel like they've had input? They talk it out. I know she mentions having gone to therapy, but I do wonder if couples therapy would be, right. you know, a productive next step because it does seem like this is is something that would affect their relationship together. Yeah. And just to think about things that that could happen down the road. As I think about this moment in time for them, you know, maybe she's fine with just cutting them out at this at this point in time, even if he continues to have a relationship with them. But let's say that they want to have kids one day. Right. What do those conversations look like? Mm-hmm. Let's say that, you know, one of them has health issues or one of these parents has health issues. They may need to help out. Like, what do those conversations look like? And so that's why I think that them getting on the same page, you know, the idea of, like, she won't have a relationship with them, but he will, I think just doesn't exist in, in reality. Dr. Hamdani, how if you were in this relationship and it was just starting and this pattern started to show itself, what, what are the steps that you take other than couples therapy or something like that? If I started to see, like... 13 years ago, I'm starting to see things like that. And right, that's weird. That shouldn't be happening. I know that I'm not worthless. Like, you know, that kind of stuff. If that is starting right off the bat, I think one of the most valuable things that you can do is communicate about it right away. And I don't mean like address it like in a combative kind of way. But find an avenue where you you're talking about with that with your partner. You're finding a way to address it. You're you're having that if you're uncomfortable because it's so early talking to the family. Have him talk to the family. Yeah. But but yeah. address it and set that foundation of like this is not acceptable. Right. This is not how I expect to be treated. And if this is continuing and it's already been addressed and I've communicated that that's problematic, right. then this probably shouldn't keep going. Because I can tell you my threshold for that is pretty low, right? I I mean, if that's what's going on, I can't, like... So you think even if, like, you meet someone that you have an amazing connection with, but this is going on, you think that's it? Don't necessarily think that's it, but uh, keep in mind, like, fun fact about me, (laughs) I'm super sensitive about Mm. literally everything, and I will, like... You can look at me wrong and I'll think about it for weeks. So I just Mm -hmm. have a very low threshold for that. So if something like that is happening, 
I know myself and I know that I, I'm not able to tolerate those things unless I have clarity on the situation of what's going on. But if I'm under the assumption that I'm marrying into this family or I'm, I'm starting this new chapter of my life with this family and they all think that I'm worthless, I don't think I'll be able to grow and expand in that relationship in the way that I want to. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Just like looking back at at the email again, you know, I think it's interesting that her father-in-law sent the text to her husband Mm -hmm. and then clearly the husband must have shown her this text. Right. So at this point, it's like the husband... Maybe it behooves him not to share these things. Right. I don't know. Yeah. You know. I wonder how those conversations go. I guess it's a matter of knowing your partner and knowing right. if they want all the information. You don't want to hide things from them. Right. But then she also says that the mother-in-law told her to her own face, right. I stole my son. Um, right. So it sounds like she's getting this both face-to-face and behind her back. But the behind her back part is interesting because I think, yeah, if her husband wants to continue to have any kind of relationship with them, yeah. and maybe they think that... This is just between them and him. Honestly, it's all confusing. I don't know what anybody's anybody's hoping to accomplish with treating somebody this way. I but. know. And I think, I think, right, it's so hard getting it from a confession because we're left to kind of speculate, but we don't really know what the background situation is. We don't know what is the situation with the family. Is mm-hmm, it coming right. from cultural differences? Is it coming from, you know, because that adds like this extra layer of absolute complexity to the situation right. because maybe there's something like, And I'll tell you, I come from a Pakistani background, but I didn't marry someone Pakistani. And I think that (laughs) if I had, (laughs) um, because I I mean, that was a discussion. And that's something that for a long time I thought I would end up getting involved with. I don't cook. I don't clean ever, ever. I don't ever clean. I make messes. (laughs) I'm just not like very domestic. I just, that doesn't interest me at all. And it's not a bag. Yeah. So I think that culturally, maybe older cultural considerations, they might feel like, oh, this person is worthless. They're not doing their duties around the home. And maybe it's not necessarily a reflection of like me. I don't care about that. I bring value in other ways. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's what they have in their brains as what gives worth to yeah. a woman in a relationship. Right. So there's so many other considerations in like missing data points because maybe this isn't about her like yeah the in-laws are going about this the wrong way because that's trash but like (laughs) but maybe they're just like they're completely misguided in how they're going about and maybe they're fixating on something and they don't know how to verbalize it appropriately 
for 13 you know? years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also wonder, years. you know, her, her question at the end of the email is, am I wrong for moving on and yeah. prioritizing my self-worth and sanity over reconciliation with my toxic right. in-laws? I think, you know, you're never wrong for the the self-preservation things that you need to do yeah. for self-worth and sanity. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, also, life is long. And so yeah. maybe it's helpful to think about that it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And maybe yeah. it's, you know, at this point in time, I need to take a step back from this relationship. Yeah. And and maybe, maybe you leave the door open to the fact that people can change. Maybe once right. they see the ramifications of, of what not having right. a relationship looks like. Maybe they realize, oh, she's not so bad after all, right, you know, right. best case scenario. Yeah, that's a good um, point. But yeah, I think, I think life is really long. And so it doesn't have to be yeah. a completely black or white. Like, is she wrong for prioritizing her self-worth at this moment in time? I, I think absolutely she's not wrong. I know. I think I, I've had a therapist tell me that, like, this was related to, like, conflict mm. and conflict resolution. She reminded me, I'm a, like a recovering people pleaser, yeah. and it's she reminded me that you can always walk away from a conversation. Mm. And for me, like, again, people pleaser, I never realized that was an option. It's like, oh, yeah, I can let that situation resolve itself. Yeah. I don't always have to solve it, and I think this, that's what this person is trying to do. So, Dr. Hamdani, if you were given the opportunity, would you confront your in-laws? And if you would confront them directly, how would you do that? Yeah, I would. I mean, honestly, and this is what I'm talking about in terms of, like, when to do that. But at this point, like, the relationship is fractured, right? There's not much to salvage here. And it's essentially it, both parties are going their own direction. I don't think it's going to harm things more. I think that if anything, it could give some clarity. And, like, say it goes all bad, right? Say it's like this exploded Okay, are you really worse off than you were before? No, but at least you know where the other person is coming from. Whereas if you communicate and you're just like, oh, oh my God, I had no idea that that was the misconception you were working off of. Let me clarify that for you. That's going to give you an opportunity. So, I mean, it really boils down to that. The other thing that's important about those situations is there's an incredible value in even the overture of talking right so i'm I'm making the effort to open up that dialogue that's kind of it's not extending an olive branch but you're like hey i'm open to reconciliation i want to make this work i'm putting in the effort to do that and i think both parties can see that because if you're like this is done i i close the door on this you don't care about talking yeah i think that's so apt you know i i wonder when somebody says to your face something like you stole my son is there language specifically that she could use. You know, if somebody says that to you, could you say, that's so interesting. Why do you feel that way? Or, you know, I'm sorry you feel that way. Could you tell, like, like, what do you even say when somebody speaks to you that way? And is there a way to use your language to kind of disarm them a little bit and and try to see, see each other? Right, yeah. God, I mean, that's just such a weird comment, right? It's just right. like <laughs> it's like something that you don't necessarily you can't really plan for it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you are dealing with a situation where you're faced with a comment that seemingly looks like it's coming out of left field and it seems absolutely ludicrous, what I would encourage you to do because right in your brain you're like, this is the craziest thing I've <laughs> yeah. ever heard. But if there is a way you can understand. The root of it. Where is this coming from? Right. You might have a chance at resolving the underlying issue. So, for example, you stole my son. Is the underlying issue 
you're overly close with your son and you right. never really yeah. understood this? Or is the underlying issue you don't think I'm good enough for your son and you wish I was someone else? Is the underlying issue you wish you could spend more time with your son and you feel like I'm holding you back from that? Like, where is that comment coming from? So if I were faced with that, you stole my son, I would probably say something like, I need a second to sit with that because I don't even understand where it's coming from. Get where? What made you say that? Yeah, you can't yeah. use your iMessages in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, edit your iMessage after the fact. I feel like that's something I have started. I would say that I'm also a recovering people pleaser. And Welcome. I've actually kind of gone the opposite. Thank you. <laughs> I've gone the opposite way. And now I'm like a people enrager. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Kids just ruin you. Um, But I think that that is something that I've recently started to do. And this is like in patient encounters. This is in friendship. This is in romantic situations, in all forms of partnership, right? If I feel like there's an area of miscommunication, I don't hesitate at being like, I need to pause because I have to process what's happening. Yeah. Because that's also indicating like, do you want to give them a chance to reframe what they're saying? And nine times out of 10, they do. I wonder too, maybe we could pivot a bit to talking about the relationship between the husband and wife yeah. and how how they move forward here, you know, how they connect. Like, how can this relationship continue as, as productively yeah. as possible? So honestly, I think it boils down to communication, right? Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. that's like 95% of all interpersonal problems. If you know how to, not only if you're willing to talk about it, because right, that's the first step, but if you know how to communicate to each other, mm-hmm. I feel like that that's a real, that's a thing, yeah. right? That's something that you have to learn. And I feel like my husband and I, we did long distance for a long time. And it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Because we, I mean, I had my completely different life. I was in training and I was doing my own stuff. And then every two or three weeks at like, we'd have dinners planned. We'd have like full days planned. We'd yeah. have full day hikes. We'd have yeah. all of this fun stuff. But then when we like actually got married and we're living in the same place, having to coexist is very different from that model. And we realized that we didn't truly know how to talk to yeah. each other because we communicated very differently. Yeah. yeah. So it would be like him, like if we beefed about something, which would be a lot, um, <laughs> it would be him like shutting down and me literally chasing him around the house like another thing, and yep. another thing. Yep, I've seen but that. But I feel like once we figured out that we communicated very differently, we had to problem solve creatively right i mean yeah. a problem's never gonna get solved if he's shutting down and i am just like going crazy right so i feel like what happened is we needed to figure out like he needed a second to pause i needed to get my stuff out otherwise i literally would have exploded and so what i ended up doing is whenever we get into these kind of situations i write down Like everything I'm feeling in that moment, I have to write it down and then I give it to him and then he can process it on its own time. If they are having difficulty with these communications or their conversations keep becoming very circular, like, yeah, but I wish it was fine. And, you know, it just kept going back to that same like sticking point. Yeah. Maybe it's not 
a problem with how often you're communicating. Maybe it's how you're communicating. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. And like finding ways to like actually convey the message because if you keep having to have the same fight over and over and over again, it gets so played. And it's like, it's just destructive to the relationship because then both parties feel like you're not listening to me. Yeah. Yeah, That's such a great point about communication. And I think it's like method of communication, but also something that I've found in my relationship is that I oftentimes expect my husband to be a mind reader. Sure, yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially, you know, we've spent a lot of time together, especially like both working from home during lockdown and all of that. And I, I find that I expect him to be a mind reader to the point that, like, I don't even know what, like, I want him yeah. to read the thoughts that I haven't even had yet. Yes. And so, and then I get upset over something. Right. That, um, anyway, so what, what I've found is it can be so helpful to try to voice really specifically what it is that I do want. You know, yes, I think it's easy yeah. to say, like, this isn't working for me. I'm mad about this and that. But what I've finally learned how to do is voice, you know, this is how I would like this to go yeah. in an ideal world. And it forces me to realize what that even is because oftentimes yes. it's like I I don't even know, I know and then, yeah. yeah it's hard yeah. to voice it before you know yourself I know I talk to myself in my head and like I have yeah. the fight by myself <laughs> and then like it happens over and over again and by the time I get it out I'm already crying and yeah. I haven't even said two words yet so I think that, that that's a whole that's a whole other issue <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. it's it, true everything is every communication relatable to- comment of the day just cry a lot. <laughs> I cry all the time. <laughs> Dr. Ramnani, just a question for you. At this point in the relationship, 13 years down the road, what is the go forward plan? And how, what would you say as the wife to the husband to get this next step going? I feel like if there truly is a communication breakdown and you can't get on top of this, like if your husband is not getting to the spot where he is getting past this dream of you guys coexisting beautifully or you've tried it and it doesn't work and he's still not giving up the dream, that's not a you thing. That's a him thing. Yeah. And that's not just like an anti-man spot that I'm in again. (laughs) (laughs) But it's something that like it sounds like there's a holdup there and that, that he probably needs to go to therapy and talk about that, why that is such a sticking point for him. That's a him thing. Yeah. And and that's not actually that uncommon. I think what we see is within the context of relationships is that, you know, we expect a lot of this work to be like in this specific example, people assume that the wife is a problem. Well, maybe the wife isn't the problem and it is the in-laws in their entirety. And that's the issue. Yeah. You know, couples counseling, yeah, it can be helpful, but it sounds like the husband needs to figure out what his connection is at this point and how he fits into this puzzle. If there is a toxic quantity, what is your relationship with that and how are you going to keep it from bleeding into your marriage? Right. And how does how does he respond when his dad texts him something so horrible about his wife? Like right. what I would expect a partner to say is like, that's a completely unacceptable way to right. speak about my wife. Right. Yeah. So this is a mess. Just closing thoughts on everyone. We hope this wraps up well for the wife and that the husband gets his shit together. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I think we're sending her so much love yeah. and compassion in in navigating this and I think it's clear that there's no one right path and I just hope that she and her husband are able to kind of navigate this together open up those communication channels like you mentioned 
And yeah, I am like desperate for a follow up. I'm desperate for more details. I think this family needs a Bravo show. We need to get like Andy Cohen in the middle or I'll I'll do it, whatever. I need to speak with these people and give them a piece of my mind. But yeah, I think just sending, sending this reader so much compassion. Can I be there for that? Oh, yeah. You can be here for yes. that. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll get you a chair. I'll set up the chandeliers. It'll be great. <laughs> oh, amazing. Like, to be totally respectful of the process also is, like, that it's so traumatic. What you're, it what is. she's yeah. going through and what, what she has experienced. I mean, that's something that no one should have to go through. And I think that it's really brave that she's starting to advocate for herself and recognizes, like, I need to part ways or at least distance myself a little bit to yeah. to keep myself intact. I think that's really important. And there's a really big lesson to come from that because even within blood relationships and within in-laws and things like that, if it doesn't feel right, communicating and trying to resolve it is what you should be doing. But if it still doesn't feel right, you're not tied to it. Like you can yeah. walk away if you have to. And that's sometimes you have to. Yeah. So I think that she's being really brave and I'm really happy that she brought this up because I think it opened an interesting discussion. Dr. Hamdani, we have a special wrap-up segment with you. We're going to give you five celebrity couples and we want you to rate them one to five. One being the least that you want them as your in-laws, five being that you would die to have them as your in-laws. Okay. And Madeline, I'd love your answer too. Okay. Okay. So the first one, Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck, one to five. So they are my mother-in-law and father-in-law? Yeah. Yes. Ooh, messy. I'm not in love with it. Okay. To be totally honest with you. I would give it like a two. I think that like they share a beautiful love story and I really like that they kind of reconvened later in life and they got together. But I think that there is also a lot of behind the scenes stuff going on and it looks a little sloppy and no thank you yeah <laughs> like, you know dude. what i feel like i'm a five You're i'm five. into it i'm doing i'm going for j-lo and ben Affleck. like i love dunkin donuts right like, bring me a nice coffee <laughs> on a your big way part of it. yeah you know i need her skincare secrets right. i need the real Ooh, true. secret you know right. like i i want to know uh how she gets that glow yeah. no i'm into i like i like their energy you know i like that they've reconnected like you said I think that I think we could have some fun with them. I don't know. I'm down to I want to I want to hang and, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll be on the yacht. They'll be doing their right. if they if he's making his like sad face, that'll just be like a running joke in the right. family pictures. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm all in. And you'll always Give look good to next to him, yeah. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that back tattoo up close right. you know, in yeah. the family pics. Ooh, for I sure. forgot about that. <laughs> One. I'm changing it to one because it's a back tattoo. So one and five. One and five. Yes, perfect. perfect. Okay, our next couple is Nate Berkus and Jeremiah Brent. I would give a four, but only because I feel like they're they're so fancy. They are so, <laughs> fancy. so fancy. They might not like me. Maybe a three. Okay, a three. Solid three. A three. I I'm gonna give them a five also. Love okay. that. I'm you know, like I said, I'm generally an optimistic kind right, of happy right. No, I think I think I could make it work. I I actually interviewed Nate Burkus in my like first baby job out of college. Gee. Um and he was delightful. It was a phone interview. Okay. And then I I was living in Alabama at the time, working at Coastal Living magazine down there, and I interviewed him for a story on the phone. And then I was in New York a couple weeks later visiting my little sister, and I walked out the door of her building and he was there with his dog, and I probably creeped him out so sure. much because yeah. I was like, 
oh my god like we just talked on the phone Um, and he was so kind to me so you know if he's giving that kind energy he's got the dog also I need all the decorating advice I've never been worse at anything in my life Um, so yeah I'll give him a five too I'm in it for the the Viking stove, the giant stove. Oh, yeah. Like that's where I'm here, I'm and it, they yeah. probably have like one of those fancy uh, pot fillers too. That's my dream is to have a <laughs> pot filler right over my stove. <laughs> okay, our next one is um, just Chris Jenner. Come on, um, <laughs> just Chris Jenner. Yes, I feel like a one. I she would stress me out. <laughs> I I don't like. I'm not fitting in with the rest of the Kardashians. She'd be like, "What is wrong with you?" I'd be like, "I don't know." <laughs> like, just, like all of her kids all except maybe rob right i I think have like are very very much like well trained in the spotlight are constantly dressed to the nines and are like very conscious of their public appearance and they probably have teams that help them with that i feel like i'd be very bad at that and she would be very mad at me for that so hard one why did you be chilling with rob (laughs) Yeah, I would. Yeah. I, you know what? I'm going to give her a surprise, surprise, a five. five. I'm in for Kris Jenner because I feel like she loves really big and is incredibly devoted okay. and caring and like goes to bat for yeah. her people. And yeah. if you're in, like, even if you just marry in and then maybe you're out, like, you're right. always family. Right. I, I love, you know, watching the show. I love how she. It's important to her that, like, even when she was divorced, her kids had a relationship with their dad. Right. Like, I think there's a lot of, or at least maybe it's just well edited to get me to believe that, but I'm, right. I'm buying in that there's a lot of big love there, and I love that. So you're five. I'm, I'm a five. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I want Chris God, Jenner as my Madeline. grandma. <laughs> <laughs> the next one, Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson. There you go. That's my five. That's the five. Oh, yes. But partially because I feel like they're low-key they're down to earth they like i feel like they're gonna hang out with you in a costco like they're just (laughs) the people i want to kick it with like that's kind of where the kind of celebrity i think i'd be comfortable with and like they wouldn't be trying to reinvent the wheel or make me do something other than what i'm trying to do five hard five I, I think I'm going to mix it up and give them a four. Oh, okay. For the only reason being that, like, Tom Hanks's voice as all of his different characters is so in my head that I think I'd have a really hard time, like, <laughs> jumping over, like, hearing him as Forrest Gump. And, like, right. I would, you know, we'd be at family dinner and I'm just like, oh, my God. So, yeah. So, for that reason only, I'll, I'll mix it up and, and knock him down to a four. But they seem four. lovely. Yeah. Tom Hanks seems lovely. Please don't be offended. <laughs> <laughs> we know you're listening, Tom. Yeah. And I hey. can't wait to see you at Costco. Yeah. And then our yeah. last one is is Megan Rapino and Sue Bird. <laughs> um okay, I would do a four, but it's because like I want to give it a five because I think that would be a, just a very cool situation to land into. But I'm not very athletic. So I, I don't know if I can right. really join in full force to that family. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. I'd say I'd say I'm like a three or a four just like because I'm worried about does like a you know a little pickup game start at Thanksgiving and I'm just like I'm gonna excuse myself. But like five on the cool factor, but maybe three on the practicality for my personal complete lack of hand eye coordination. Yeah. That just that thing. Yeah, Yeah. that's fair. Well, Dr. Hamdani, thank you so much for your time. And thanks for giving us some good advice for our reader and listener. You have been a delight. Oh, 
anytime, anytime. And I'm I'm here for a Bravo special anytime you guys need me. <laughs> we'll call you. And, and thank Back you. Back to that manifesting. <laughs> <Yeah. you know? laughs> and thank there you, Madeline, go. for joining us too. Thank you. This is so fun. Cosmo Confessions is made in collaboration with Edit Audio. I'm your host, Mia Lardier. This episode was produced by Mia Lardier, Ali Sirwa, and Maria Passingham. It was edited, mixed, and mastered by Ali Sirwa. Thank you to our production manager, Kathleen Speckert, and our executive producer, Steph Colburn. As always, thank you to the whole Cosmo and Edit Audio teams for their time and input. And an extra special shout out to our guests and to you for listening. Now, tell us your secrets. Link is in the show notes. Secrets, secrets are no fun unless you tell me one.